Welcome to the Real Life Church podcast channel. My name is Michael Bame. I am the pastor here, and Real Life Church is all about connecting Jesus to real lives. You can find out more about us at reallifecov.com. Good morning, everyone. We are continuing on in our message series called Characters. Uh, This has been a fun one for me. I don't know how it's been for you. Uh, I get to do some deep dives in the Bible on specific people in the Bible and like see how they uh, are talked about throughout the entire Bible. I get to nerd out uh, and read into a bunch of different fun stuff. Uh, But there's really three questions that I want to address every time we talk about a character from the Bible. One, who are they? right? Who is this character? Two, how do they connect with Jesus, right? That's an important thing. And three, what does it have to do with me today, right? Those are the three things that we want to get out of this character message series. And today's character is Rachel. Rachel, the character Rachel. Uh, Rachel, if you're not familiar with Rachel, um, she is the favorite of four wives of Jacob. Jacob's going to be known as Israel, the whole nation of Israel. Yeah, he's got four wives, She's the fave, okay? Uh, And so that has its own issues with it, uh, but it also shows that she is going to be a really important piece um, in this blessing to all the nations through this nation that God is building through these people that will become the people of of Israel. Some of her kids will be part of those different tribes, okay? But how do do we connect with this, right? Because I, I really want at the front end to go like, why do I need to pay attention to Rachel? Okay, what do I care about Rachel? Um, And so I've got a question for you that I want you to think about right now, and then we're going to carry that all the way through. Okay, so here's a question is, what's the one thing in your life that if you had more of, then you would be happy? What's the one thing in your life that you have, if you had more of, if you could gain it, that then you would be comfortable? What's the one thing in your life that if you had more of this, then you would be seen as a success? You'd feel successful, okay? Now, it could be one thing that, that broadens all of those categories. It could be three different things, right? But there's something in your life that you are seeking out for yourself. Um, because it'll make you happy. It, it'll bring you comfort. It, it will um, make you feel successful to yourself and maybe your family members and those around you, right? I just want you to be thinking about that as we look at this story, um, because we, we do. We have these things. For, for some of us, it might be that if I have a certain job title, right? If I am on this career path and I climb that ladder and I can say, this is who I am, Right? Maybe even right at this point, you have a little bit of shame in letting people know what your title is because it's not quite the one that shows that your success. But it, so if you could have more, a bet, better title, then you would feel a little bit more successful or there'd be a little more weight around your name. Okay? I want you to think about that. Maybe there's something there. Um, maybe something that you really would like to have more of that would bring some comfort to you is more money. Anybody not want more money? Okay. Well, if you, more money can bring a sense of more comfort. I can go and buy whatever I want, whenever I want. I can retire whenever I want, right? Uh, if I have more money, then I can have some more comfort in this. Um, or I can be happy 
happier with that, or uh, now I'm seen as successful. Do you see how this is playing out? Uh, what about relationships, right? In relationships, family relationships, relationships with other people, if I, boy, if this relationship was better, then I would be happy. Then we could show the rest of our family and neighborhood that we'll look at how successful we are because our relationships are better. Um, and this, I'm going to make a little transition here in thinking about Rachel, because for Rachel, it, her family, it matters. It matters to her. It, it's the thing that she is in a quest for. If she can have children, then she will have honor. She will be seen as a successful woman if she can have some children. And that's, that's the story of her life. And this is where we can connect with this. So what's that one thing that if you had more of it, you would be happy or comfortable or you would be seen as a success, okay? Because that's, that's, that's where we're going with this. And so um, turn, turn your Bibles on or open your Bible or open the church app uh, and, and follow along with the notes there under Rachel um, because we're going to get into her story now and see how much she is focused in on having these children, okay? Um, and I just want to give a little background to this as you're opening those things up. Um, she has an older sister named Leah, uh, who is a wife of Jacob. Um, she's actually the first wife of Jacob, um, but not the favorite, right? Rachel's the favorite. Uh, and then they each have little servants, and they will become wives of Jacob. We're going to see why that happens here in just a second. Um, and and there, there's this whole infighting about what's going on here with their kids. Leah... She's like cranking out kids like nobody's business, right? And Rachel's like, I am not having any children here. And so we're picking up that storyline right here. So Genesis chapter 30, starting in verse 1. That's where we're at. Genesis chapter 30, starting in verse 1. When Rachel saw that she wasn't having any children for Jacob, she became jealous of her sister. She pleaded with Jacob, give me children or I will die. Give me children, I'll die. I want you to, I, let's just leave it there for a second. If she doesn't have children, what will happen? She feels like she will die. Yep. All my happiness, gone. Any mode of success, failure, right? Do you see it? Anything I might get comfort from any of that, gone. If I don't have children, I will die. And I'm hitting this point on purpose because it's going to play out in her story, okay? If I don't have any children, I will die. Jacob became furious with Rachel. Am I God? He's the one who has kept you from having children. Then Rachel told him, take my maid Bilhah she, and sleep with her. She will be, bear children for me, and through her I can have a family too. So Rachel gave her servant Bilhah to Jacob as a wife, and he slept with her. Now, Bible nerds, does this sound familiar? Right? It sounds familiar, right? It sounds like Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, doesn't it, from just a few weeks ago? In fact, that last line in, in verse 4, if we just switch out the names, it's exactly the same thing that was said in chapter 16 of Genesis. I'll, I'll read it. So Sarah gave her servant Hagar to Abraham as a wife, and he slept with her. Same phrase, different names, right? And in fact, this whole story is overlapping that story. 
That, that was Sarah couldn't have any kids. They're going to take it in their own hands to have some kids. So here, take my servant Hagar as a wife. Sleep with her and then I can have those children. There's something that she wants and she can gain it if she uses somebody else. And then she can have it, and she gives it to her husband. Do you know that that's actually overlapping another story in the Bible? Genesis chapter 3. Adam, Eve, and the serpent. If you eat from this tree, you will what? Die. Hmm. If I don't have children, I will, right? It's like a reversal of that. And so she's seeing if she can have these children, it will give her life. Eve. If I have this wisdom that I can get from this tree, then I will be like God without God, right? And she takes it, and what does she do? She gives it to her husband. Sarah takes her servant, gives it to her husband. Rachel takes her servant, gives it to her husband. Do you see how this works out? And it's all about life and death, isn't it? It's all about gaining something for themselves through the use of someone else. And they think that if they can do this, this way of living will give them the life that they want, that will bring them comfort or happiness or success, or in Rachel's case, honor, right? This is an honor society, and so this will bring her honor. Uh, we, we can see this play out um, in the next part of the story where Bilhah, um, Rachel's servant, actually does have children. And I want you to see what happens here and how Rachel approaches this whole situation. Okay. Uh, Genesis 30 verse 5. Bilhah became pregnant and presented Jacob with a son. Rachel named him Dan. Who named the child? Yeah. So whose child is this? Yeah. Right. Through someone else. Right. Named him Dan. Uh, for she said, God has vindicated me. He has heard my request and given me a son. Then Bilhah became pregnant again and gave Jacob an, a second son. Rachel named him Naphtali, for she said, I have struggled hard with my sister and I am winning. Winning. This is all about beating her sister at the childbearing game. Her whole focus on this. She, th this is not a desire to carry a human life inside her womb, to produce something like that, to, to be a part of the miracle of life-giving, right? And, and to raise a family in a good way and be a part of that. It's all about what she can get out of it. Her, her own focus what she gains from this, the life that she gets from this, okay? Now, uh, as we think about this, I want you to think about when Rachel is now going to have children of her own body. So far, it's been through Bilhah, her servant, but now she's going to actually have uh, a child of her from her own body, and here's what she says about this, super revealing, okay? Genesis uh, 30, verses 22, so scroll down to 22. Then God remembered Rachel's plight and answered her prayers by enabling her to have children. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. God has removed my disgrace, she said, and she named him Joseph, for she said, may the Lord add yet another son to my family. Two things 
Obviously, she's praying to God for something. God is gracious in saying, yeah, your motives are screwed up, but I'm going to give you kids, okay? But the second thing and the more revealing thing is that last line. May the Lord add yet another son. Is having Joseph enough? <laughs> Not enough. I mean, look at Leah. I mean, she's just cranking those babies out, right? She has a kid from her own body, and it's not enough. It's not enough for her. She wants more. More will give her more vindication. More will give her more honor. More will actually cost her a great deal. If I don't have children, I will die. If I don't live this life that brings me honor, if I can't make this happen, if I can't live in this way, then I'm going to die, right? That's what we said. We're hanging on to that, aren't we? Okay, Genesis 35, starting in verse 17. After a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, don't be afraid, you have another son. Rachel was about to die, but with her last breath, she named her baby Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. If I don't have children, I will die. If I can't gain this life that I think is the best life for me, then I'm going to die. In her quest for gaining that life, she loses it. She has lost her life trying to gain yet another son, yet another child. This kind of hits like a ton of bricks here, doesn't it? Because the, the, there's a huge tragedy that's happening with Rachel. Her whole focus on this way of living that's going to gain her a life, she never gets to experience it. No wonder why this is a child of her sorrow. She will never get to experience the honor that she was after, the success that she has worked so hard for, the comfort, the happiness, you name it, guys. Her whole way of living brought her death, which is a complete reversal of what she thought it would do. If she doesn't have kids, she will die. Yeah, well, if you do have kids, you're going to die. Right? She never is going to experience that. Now, that's a great tragedy, right? Without a doubt, it's a huge tragedy, but it's not even the greatest tragedy of this whole story. There's a greater tragedy in this story that happens is not only does she miss out on this life she was trying to gain for herself, she missed out on God's life, the life that God intended her to live. This is a focus without God. I mean, God was a tool. I mean, honestly, like I'll pray to him to get what I want, but he's not actually part of this real relationship thing. When things go good for me, yeah, I'll, I'll throw up a praise and say, yep, yep, good, it's all good, I'm getting what I want, Right? But there isn't no, a real development and learning and knowing this God in a deeper way in, in any form. She is not experiencing the life that God has for her. That's the greatest tragedy. In fact, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. You want to connect with Jesus? Let's connect with Jesus. Here's something he was uh, saying about himself to uh, his disciples and this crowd that had gathered. He says this in Luke chapter 9. The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. 
he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Just hang on to that. We know this passage, don't we? But look at how upside down it is from the way that Rachel approached life. Maybe look at upside down it is from the way that we approach life, okay? Just think about this. The man, uh, the son of man must suffer many things. Not a whole lot of comfort in that, is there? Right? That's, that seems to be a, a discomfort to suffer many things. That's not about comfort at all. He will be rejected by elders and leading priests and teachers of religious law. You're rejected. What kind of happiness can you experience where you're surrounded by a bunch of people that reject you? Like really important people in your community that have rejected you as a person. Not a lot of happiness going on there. And then for this one who claims to be this great Messiah figure, <laughs> they're going to kill you? Well, that mission was a failure, wasn't it? No success. And yet, and yet, if you look at this through Jesus' eyes, through, through the way that God wants us to see this, if you look at the life that God has for us, Jesus is completely faithful to the mission. Not only knows who God is, it's God himself, and can explain who God is to other people, and this way of living actually gives life. Did you hear how it ended? That by, by letting go of all that comfort and happiness and success by your own standards and way you look at it, you actually get to experience new life. That's what this, he's talking about here. Raised again in new creation, you're a new person. You get to be a new human being because you don't have to look at it from that way any longer. You can turn it on its head. This is the life that God has for you. And Jesus isn't done, right? Because I, I think if we just think about this, that maybe, maybe our discomfort, maybe our discomfort brings us to a place where we can have a deeper relationship with this God. Maybe, maybe in, in, in our unhappiness, we can discover something more about who God really is. And maybe, maybe in our failures, we get to see how God sees success. And it looks very, very different. Just maybe. Here's what Jesus finished sa saying to the crowds. That's after he just said what I what he went over, Okay. Son of man's going to do all this stuff. Third day he's going to raise. He, then he says this. This is great. Luke, Luke 9, verse 23. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, I just laid out what's going to happen to me. You want to follow that? Okay, you want to follow me? You must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. You got to live this way that I'm living. You got to turn everything upside down, right? If you, Rachel, try to hang on to your life, Rachel, you will lose it. She's a perfect example of this, this very thing. The thing that she is trying to gain, the thing she's trying to hold on to, it actually takes her life, right? If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you save it. You get to experience 
the life that God has for you. You know what Jesus is saying in this whole thing? Your way of living is getting in the way, right? Your way of living is getting in the way of the life that God has for you, the life that God has intended you to have. It got in Rachel's way, and you're in danger of it getting into your way. Your way is in the way. Can you give up your way? Can you let go of that way? What does that look like? What does that mean? So, back to our beginning question, right? What's that one thing in your life that if you had more of would make you happy or bring you comfort or would show that you're successful? What's that thing? The thing that you orient your whole life around to gain. What is that thing? Because that thing might be the thing that's getting in the way. Your way is in the way. Can you give up your way? Can you do that? I, I want to invite you into that. I want, you to, I want to invite you into going like, God, right now, I don't want to be like Rachel. I want to be like Jesus. And I want to give up my way. And even though in my relationships or in my workplace or with my family or my bank account or in my, you just name it, even though uh, maybe those things are looking really good or maybe they're completely crashing and burning, God, I want to see them through your way. I, I want to follow your way. I want to see them through your eyes. I want to live the life that you intend me to live. And I want to do it right here, right now, from this day forward. So I just want to pray. I just want to pray that prayer. Right? That, I just want you to take that on. I don't care if you follow Jesus your whole entire life. Maybe you've let some things get in the way of the life God really has for you. And you need to start thinking about it in an upside down way. That's a tough way to do it. So let me pray for you. Uh, pray, pray with you uh, as, we, as we enter into this new life that you get to experience, that you can give up your way. Lord Jesus Christ, you have shown us a new way to live, a life that is upside down from the way in which we live life. But we want to have life. We want to have the life that you intended us to have from the very beginning. Jesus, show us the things that are getting in the way things that are getting in the way of your life, that we can give them up. Show us how to give them up so that we can experience your life, the real life, the life that you give, the life that you intended us to have from the very beginning, that we can be new people living your life, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Hey there, hope you enjoyed the sermon today. We love connecting Jesus' life with other people's lives and hope we were able to do that with you today. If you'd like to know more about us here at Real Life Church, please check us out at reallifecove.com. Thanks for listening.